Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host, the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance and from careers to community. And today we're hearing from a powerhouse woman, Karina Gardner. Karina has her PhD in design, which launched her into a career as a creative director for a scrapbooking company and children's company. She designs everything. And I mean everything from dishware to bracelets. And I actually just recently saw one of her Instagram reels that I loved. It was this Alice in Wonderland room that she created from cutouts from her silhouette. It was so cute. But her passion is to teach other designers how to create a meaningful career. I'm thrilled to share this conversation with you because her idea of creativity is so fascinating and brings life to the words. So here is Karina Gardner. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here on the podcast, partly because of your expertise. And I have, for our podcast listeners, I have admired Karina from afar and what she's done and how she's grown her business. So can you just talk a little bit about what is your business? So I am a designer. So I have a PhD in design. I thought I was going to be a professor. I, I taught at the University of Minnesota, but then after I finished my PhD, I decided I just wanted to design for a few years and I wanted to design from home and be with my kids. And so I had two very, I had a newborn baby and a toddler at the time. And so uh, the business has been a very crazy growth. Like I started as just a freelance designer, then became a crafting designer um, specifically for the scrapbooking world and the fabric world, quilting fabrics, 100% cottons, um, became relatively well known for that and then became the creative director of a large scrapbooking company for numerous years and ran basically a design agency of designers, then owned a, um, and I still own actually a kid's uh, company where we do coloring books and a lot of physical products. We've now moved to digital for that particular company. And in the recent years, um, we, like the last two years, we started um, an entire online program built for people who want to become designers. So crafting industry people, people who are hobbyists, who are now transitioning to become graphic designers and um, specifically fabric designers, um, SVG and paper designers. Um, we do have coursework that is around, um, you know, freelance and those kinds of things, but they're like mastermind high level graphic design groups, if that makes sense. This is not like a you know, throw a thousand dollars and try to do some surface design. This is like, because I was a university professor, it's like university level, um, crafting design courses. And that has like, honestly had my heart this last year. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to teaching. I always thought I would maybe go back to university, but this has been, it's been so phenomenal. So that's, that's what I currently do. This is just incredible to me. Also that you can get a PhD in design in something so creative. And I kind of want to dig into this for a second because I believe that you really need to have courage to be creative. To start into that first project can be really be intimidating. So what was your start into creativity? Did you always grow up crafting as a kid? How did you even get into it in the first place? 
You know, I did craft as a kid, but I never thought of myself as a creative or either or even an artist, like none of those things. In fact, my undergrad degree is from BYU in marketing. So I only went um, to get a graphic design master's degree because I saw that if I was going to do ad agency work, I wanted to be in control. Like even though I knew the strategies involved, I was like, I really want to be actually in control of where the wording is, how the visuals look and how to bring that together. But then I went and did my master's degree and I just fell in love with design. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this marketing thing. I'm going to be a designer. This is so awesome. Um, so as a kid, I did love sewing. Like I would like my mom was very tolerant of me messing up the sewing machine and making stuff. But um, I would have never been like, oh, I'm just like this creative as a kid. I think I was a rule follower. Like I, I was for sure like a rule following kid. Interesting. Um, and but then and then it's so funny, like you kind of go to college thinking you're going to be one thing. And then he t it totally diverts somewhere along the way. And so if someone had told me even in my undergraduate degrees that I was going to be a graphic designer or a paper and fabric designer, which is usually what how I, I, I tell people what I am, um, I would have been like, no, I'm not. How, how would I get into that? And so um, I really believe you've got to follow the little the little paths that come your way, you're going to see all these little tiny forks in the road and every single one of them matters. Every single one of them. I am just loving your story here. First off, just because you never considered yourself a creative and look at you now, you have this huge successful company, obviously dealing with creativity every single day. And I think that's so fascinating that in, as a child, you would have never thought of yourself or even into your undergrad you would have never put yourself into that realm and that just makes me open up my own possibilities in thinking of okay what who can I be in the future and not limiting myself to who I am now but opening opportunities in the futures maybe I'm not creative yet but I can be in the future and so I love that and then your advice of taking those those little roads along the way that's beautiful. So when is the first opportunity? What was the first opportunity that that made you even think about creativity? I, you know, to be honest, I think it was going to grad school to begin with, because the, the fork in the road for me was PR school, public relations, or graphic design. I, I knew both of those things would help my marketing degree. And I think it was like the people I met along the way, plus my husband was going to grad school, and we had to decide on a couple of schools where we matched up, right? So it wasn't even like, it's because I was going to be like this great designer or something. It was literally, these are the factual things happening in my life. And I, I only have the choice of these two schools at that time. It was Brown and the university of Minnesota. They were the only two that matched up with my husband's degrees as well. And so that's kind of where that took me. But here's the thing I want to say, because I, what you just said was so powerful. I think I think one of the reasons my program is so successful is because I know something that most people don't. And that is that while we might not think of ourselves as creatives, 
we are all 100% creative and that design and creativity is a learned behavior. And so unfortunately, most of us have had all this creativity stomped out of us when we were younger. Like some teacher somewhere told us the coloring we did wasn't good. Whatever we were drawing wasn't nice. A peer, some other kid told us whatever we drew wasn't great. And the truth is, as adults, if we can embrace the fact that all things are learned, that's good growth mindset, right? That that design is learned, that creativity is learned, that these are things that we can learn and grow into. This is beautiful. That What you just said is novel, is that creativity, it's kind of innate in all of us and we can learn into it. I wish I would have known this a couple of months ago. I've been trying to get into watercoloring, but it's hard as an adult getting past the stages because when I start, I look like I'm in third grade and that's kind of nerd wracking to me. And I've been slowly, slowly, very, very slowly <laughs> improving, but it's hard for me to get past that. Okay. I'm back in third grade stage with my creativity. So what do you suggest for adults who are, who are wanting to get creative and who want to have this learning aspect of creativity, but just kind of need an extra push for that initial start? Well, let's, let's go to your example of learning watercolor. I know this because I myself do watercolor and we do watercolor in my, I have a membership that's just a crafting membership called Ink Club. So in Ink Club, we every month do a lot of different crafting activities. And actually this month we have a watercolor we're doing, but we have cheats. We have all these cheats. And I think one of the things that unfortunately as adults, we think, we think we have to do it all perfect. We have to do it all the right way. We have to do it in order, which is a big lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. And it's a lie that maybe we're getting from social media or those other places because we're comparing ourselves to the great watercolorist already out there on Instagram, right? When we've only picked up the brush for the first time three months ago, how do we expect that our three months is going to compare to the person who's been doing it for 20 years? It's We can't, we shouldn't be, but we always do, don't we? Oh, so, 100%. That's me every day when I do my little watercolor. I go on and look on my, my Instagram who I'm following who's watercoloring and I'm like, oh no, it doesn't look the same. <laughs> but of course, they've probably gone to school. So I love what you said there. Yeah. And, and not only that, but like when we do a lot of straight up copying, which we should be at the beginning, especially good design comes from modeling, right? Like we're trying, like you think about Renaissance, Renaissance, like painters, they were painting for the masters and they were like copying works, like the number of copies they did to make something better, right? That's a good way to become good and to get the muscle memory we need in our, our hands to paint, to draw, to design, whatever we need those things. But, um, if we are spending our time comparing, then we're not focusing in on our own style and what the happy accidents in particular that happen in watercolor or any kind of fine art, we want those happy accidents to happen because that will slowly and sure, surely, remember those forks I was talking about, that'll take us on a fork that will help us bring our style into place, which we want our style to be different than everybody else's, right? If we look like everyone else, then we're not a differentiator in the marketplace. And that it, that's no good. We need to be different enough so that we have something to share, something to put out there for the world. That is just beautiful. And it just kind of spurred this thought in me that 
possibly just kind of how our society has developed with social media, we've taken out our personality from creativity. But maybe the essence of what being creative is, is truly looking and reflecting what is in you. And so we've kind of lost this idea of creativity as a society, and we need to come back to this. And maybe perfectionism is the great robber of all of creativity, because it kind of robs that, that authenticity, that that different, that happy accident, like Bob Ross. I love Bob Ross. So yes. when you said happy accident, <laughs> I was like, oh, I have socks that have that all over it. <laughs> well, but do you have a Bob Ross wig like me? Because I do. So no, but I think I need to go on Amazon right after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those happy accidents. I mean, he was serious when he was saying that because truly the happy accidents that happen in my design work turn into something that makes my style unique right? Same with all of, you know, we're talking about creativity. And so very often we think of creativity as visual. And that is actually not a fair assessment of creativity because really good solution makers, they're creative, right? Like, like think of great, even business people, like anyone who's coming up with a solution to figure something out, that's creative, right? Writers, creative, like all these things we do in our lives, how to juggle your family life while having a working life, creativity, right? Even if what you're doing, you think is not very creative, every time we're problem solving, that's really all we call what we call designers. Designers are visual problem solvers. So at the end of the day, everyone's creative. We're all trying to figure things out all the time, right? This is actually a great time to pause and have a moment for our sponsors because they have given me so much confidence in the financial world. I actually started this podcast because I was afraid of finances for a really long time until I took a class on how to budget and my fear changed to confidence. Utah Money Moms has continued to help my confidence grow. They provide free webinars and downloadable resources to help you understand your money personality and hone it in to make a good financial future. One of my favorite resources is their free downloadable calendars. I love the 2021 calendar because it gave me small, doable financial goals each month. So head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to download their 2022 finance calendar and start your journey of finances with confidence. Again, that's utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram. I love what you just said with creativity is problem solving. That is so novel to me. And that also puts me into a realm because I never necessarily considered myself like a, I, I don't really draw. I can do a couple doodle penguins. That's about it. I'm barely getting to, into watercoloring, but I am a problem solver. And so uh, therefore I am creative. So that gives me hope that, wait a minute, I am creative. It's not necessarily always the visual arts. And this idea of happy accidents that also sparks something. I play the harp and I've played for years, but sometimes it's easy. I'm classically trained and sometimes you realize, oh, I didn't play every single note correct. But I had this teacher who was a jazz a jazz harpist and she just talked about how there are literally no wrong notes in jazz. It's just part of the melody and part of what makes it unique. And I've tried to adopt that into my life of, of living life like a jazz music, that there's not necessarily a wrong step or, for example, the happy accidents, the things that aren't necessarily so perfect make life actually beautiful, you know? 
Yeah, I love that. And I forgot to, I forgot that you're a harpist because I have a harpist as well. And oh, she, yes. yeah, my, my daughter's a harpist and she, Katie Ann has pay, played for us before. So we've seen her play. So it's so, so wonderful. And I like that analogy to jazz because that is true. And I think we need to think of that for all of the different arts, right? Um, watercolor is actually one of those places. I, like, I love that you brought that up because we're doing watercolor and watercolor is one of those places where there should be happy accidents. In fact, the more happy accidents there are, the better the pieces, the more unique the pieces, right? And I think in this day and age, we're constantly looking for authenticity. I think with social media and the way our world works and the news and all that other stuff, I think we're constantly looking for authenticity. And you know what happy accidents is? It's like truth. It's like the real things that's actually happening, right? And that's coming through that. in artwork. I love that. So how would you define authenticity like in a couple sentences? Because you're going on this beautiful track and I just want to condense that into one idea. I think it's just being who you are and being unapologetic for it. Ooh, I love that. Being unapologetic. That's embracing your happy accidents. That's embracing every note in the music. That is it's not necessarily saying I have mistakes, but it's the imperfections, but right, maybe they're really not imperfections. Maybe we really need to take that word out of our vernacular. Yeah. I think they're just unique. And I think there's us. a caveat, caveat to that, which is I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be okay with who I am, but I'm also going to try to be better. Right. Like, so mm -hmm. even though we're authentic with who we are, we don't then just say, well, that's who I am. So everyone has to deal with it. No, 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 no. That's not the way this works. We're going to level up. We talk about leveling up in design all the time because guess what? Our skills always can become better. Right. Like you're in you think you're in third grade right now, but you're just going to level it up. And as you do it, you're just going to become better and better at that particular skill. OK. Um, and so we're going to just keep growing to become better human beings, whether it's kinder, more caring, more loving, whatever it is that we're continuing to work on, more confident, more secure with ourselves, whatever those things are that we need to work on. We are authentic to who we are, but then we're just letting ourselves grow into the person we need to become and hopefully better. Oh, that is so cool because being authentic doesn't necessarily say, okay, that's it. I'm done. Like this is my so-called imperfection or happy accident. It's just that way. But I love this idea of leveling up. It's, it's embracing the level you're at and also pushing for the next level. And I want to ask you too, as, as you're a design, you literally have a doctorate in design. This is just amazing to me, but especially with this idea of leveling up, because I've noticed it with my own, with harp and with other with other skills, sometimes when I'm leveling up, when I get into the upper divisions, I feel like it's harder to see my progress. When I when I was in, going from third grade painting to fifth grade painting, it's easier to see my progress. But as I get older, my progress is harder to track. Um, I also, I taught Portuguese for a while too, to older seniors. <laughs> it was so fun, but it was kind of to people who were 60 and older. And we'd see this huge growth in the first three months. And then after that, as a teacher, I still saw their growth, but it'd be really difficult for them to see it. So how, how does someone track their growth or how do you have hope when that gap starts to be a little bit, the leveling up is a little bit closer. The next level is a little bit closer to the next in the higher divisions. Um, so what I say to my design students, I don't know if this applies to everything, but I'm always like, 
you want to beat yourself. So like you're always trying to get 1% better than the last thing you did. Let me give you an example of that. So I come out with at least one fabric line every single year for Riley Blake. And wow. I always look at my old fabric line. And when I'm designing the new one, I'm thinking of this right now because I'm in the middle of designing a new one right now. I'm thinking, how do I beat the last one? I'm not looking at anybody else's stuff and you shouldn't be you guys like I think that that's where the comparison this is where low self-esteem comes from like those kind you should not be checking out everybody else's stuff you should be looking at your own own stuff and go how do I beat my last whatever it is and for me right now in this scenario it's my last fabric line so when I sit down to create the master of the fabric line I look at my old stuff and I go okay that was good how do I make it better? And yeah, it's just tiny, right? But it's like the tiny tweaks in our lives that make us great, right? It's the I, tiny things. Wow. Yeah. I, I think you have so much courage to be able to look back on yourself and to be able to do this kind of introspection of your work. That, that sometimes is so hard. But I also love what you said. You said, this is good how can I make it even better? So you're accepting, you're like, hey, I did a good job. Like I did do a great job, but I also have room to improve. So I think those two things probably are the courage that you have to face your work and make it better because you're not saying, oh, I did a terrible job. You're accepting saying I, I did great with the knowledge I have then, but I have more knowledge now and I can get better. And so I can level up. And I think that's just so, that is the epitome of courage is, Sometimes I think courage is really at the end of the day, facing the person in the mirror. Yeah. And that's sometimes so hard and whether it's your work or your own thoughts or whatever, but facing your own self, if you can conquer your inner circle with your inner thoughts, wow, you are powerful, right? Yeah. And don't you think a good portion of that is just recognizing the wins in your life? I think confident people, they, they think critically about the problems or the the issues they've had but then they celebrate the wins and so that's mm -hmm. how you become more confident because you're scaling you're thinking about how did I do good yesterday or how did I make the last design or how did what was great about that and now I'm going to take it I'm going to get 1% or 10% better whatever it is that you need to get better and then you you're you're coming from a place of confidence and the other thing is I think most people and my, my designers will tell you this people who listen to my podcast list know that I talk about this, but when we are in a place of gratitude, then we can also be confident when we're grateful for what we've already accomplished, like the last fabric line, grateful that I have the contract, grateful. I got to make that grateful that I got to build that line. When I start the next one, I'm coming from a place of happiness, joy, winning. And so I feel confident about moving forward that what I'm going to create is going to be what it needs to be. It's going to serve the people it needs to serve. I love that secret key of gratitude that you have there. I believe there is so much power in gratitude. It's something that we we kind of say almost as just as a cliche thing, but I, I believe there's real power in gratitude, especially as you look back and using it on yourself. I think a lot of times I use it either for objects, things I have or for other people. But if I was more grateful for the things and the opportunities I've already accomplished, that could be a beautiful thing to recognize my own wins and say, okay, I've already won this and whatever in my life. I want to go back to also something you said about not 
not comparing to other people, but with yourself. I fully believe in that. As a person, I'm, I've done a lot of competitions and it's hard to get in this mindset of, oh, I'm competing against some, someone else. But I, every single time I face a competition, I really try to, it's not, it's really not about me against another person. It's me against me of, okay, did I do better than the last time I competed? And as soon as you do that, it creates an atmosphere that I can have camaraderie and friendship with the people I'm competing with because I'm with them, not against them. And it's this beautiful area. And especially as someone who owns their own business as you're in the market, that that can be pressure when you have, you have competitors, you have people who you're competing against. And I'm sure you face that probably daily thinking, okay, what are they doing? What am I doing? How can I increase sales? They're increasing sales and whatnot. But what you said, I think is key, not only for businesses, but also just for our personal lives. And also outside of competition, I think we all sometimes put ourselves into being a better person as competition and and focusing that on our own personal growth rather than comparing across lines just puts you into this beautiful realm where you can actually you you're able to celebrate your own wins and you're actually able to celebrate the wins of other people too which just gives a better community. Yeah, I agree with that and I can't imagine doing it the way you're doing it. That would be hard for me because you're physically seeing the people in competition with you. I don't see anybody who's in competition with me, but I do love them. Like I really actually have great relationships with other fabric designers. They they come onto my podcast. I have good close relationships with people in the field because at the end of the day, they are part of your community, right? They are. One thing you said that I really think is actually the most powerful thing is the fact that when we are not in competition with other people and instead we're in competition with ourselves, then we have control. We can't control who shows up right at a pageant, right? Like you can't control all the other people who are showing up to the same space. You can't. I can't control how many designers show up into my space. I can control how good my own design work is. I can control how many designs I submit. I can control my own mindset. So that's usually what I'm trying to do. Same with you. Like if you're in a competition, you can control how well you answer the questions, how well you perform on the harp, how you show up and you serve the people that you're with. I that's all we can do. I agree. And that control, it's kind of over the last couple of years, I've redefined what success is in that realm of what can I control? Because I realized whenever you compete or whenever you're in the market, a lot of it depends on other people, right? If your product sells, you can do, you can control you, but other people will decide if it, that product gets pushed or not by their consumer power. But I can control what I've done, the quality of work I've done and whatnot. And I came up with this idea a couple, about a year and a half ago, that success isn't producing a product it's not gaining a title. It's not getting a trophy because frankly, titles come and go and trophies collect dust on the shelf, but who we are stays with us forever. And when you have that idea of competing against yourself, you're becoming someone better. You're doing that leveling up and that leveling up is going to stay with you. Whereas a title, a crown, a product will come and go, but you are changed. And that's what real success is to me is when you have changed and you are a better person. Yeah, but only if you actually recognize it. Because Ooh, one of the problems that. is that I see this all the time with great designers, then they don't celebrate the win, right? Mm. 
So then they move on to the next thing and they haven't really paid attention to what they've done. That's really so good. And so then they forget. And that's, I think that's the, the line of confidence, right? The people who are confident, they celebrate the win. They know what they've already done so they can take the next step forward. Someone who just keeps bulldozing their way through, they're not paying attention to all the wins. And so when they falter, when there's some insecurity, when something's not going good in your business, when you're not producing a design or you get a rejection, your, your confidence falters because you don't know what you've already accomplished. That is so interesting to me because I know I'm a bulldozer. I just go kind of like, okay, what's the next thing? How can I improve? How can I improve? So I want you to kind of break it down for us into some tangible things. How how do I even celebrate your win? How how do I even start that? Um, I am a teller. <laughs> like so, like we had a great big win yesterday. Um, we had our best month ever in sales for the new design program. But more than that, well, more than that, we brought in people that were right for the program, which is super exciting for me because then they come in and I'm like, how do we make money as a designer? What should we do? I'm looking at their artwork. We're like mentoring them forward, making sure that they're making money. And that to me, that's the biggest excitement, like designers who really like haven't been able to figure out how to make it work in the marketplace. And I know how to get them there. So we get super excited about it. And the first thing I do is I go tell my husband and then I tell my little sister because she owns a, a, not a similar business, but like an Etsy business. And so she understands kind of what's going on in the marketplace. And then I went and I told my mastermind this morning and all these people are safe people to go celebrate the win with, right? Like I told them and they're all like, you know, cheering and like, yes, like that is amazing. Like get going. So when you surround yourself with those types of people, it's super exciting and you feel like you're celebrating that win, right? Like it doesn't have to be dinner out all the time, right? Because there are lots of little wins. You know, every time I finish a new workshop series when I'm teaching designers or I'm teaching a virtual conference, like I feel the win. Like I get excited at the end of the day and I see what people are accomplishing. Like for me, that's part of my like, oh, okay, I did a good job. Um, I'm also a journaler. I will legitimately at the end of the day, write down all the things that happened that made me really happy. That process of having it in my brain and then writing it down really solidifies for me what I've accomplished and I really internalize it. I, I'm a journaler too, and I haven't been doing that, but tonight I'm going to start a new, a new tradition, a new, a new thing just to start to do the wins. Cause I think a lot of times I probably use my journal as a refre- reflection just to get the negative out, but I wonder how my life would be different focusing on that positive and focusing on those wins. And as you were talking, I'm also thinking, I'm like, okay, I want to start a group chat that's called win in my, on my phone. I'm already thinking of some people of kind of my inner circle that I know that little that safe circle where both they can share their wins and I can share their wins and I think that actually makes this beautiful positive environment both for them and you and I think that's such a key that you gave us and Karina as we're wrapping up our conversation here I just want to ask you what we always ask all of our our interviewees here on the show and what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self to have more confidence I think I would tell myself that it was all going to work out. 
I think so often along the journey, it feels like it's not going to work out lots of different ways. Financially, um, uh, things are going wrong with your kids or you have struggles with your children, um, struggles in your own family life or extended family life, where you're going to live, you know, like all the moving around, we've done some shuffling around. I think there are all these like physical things and all these pivots going on in your life that change the trajectory. And in the moment of the struggle, it feels like, what is happening here? And you start questioning a lot of things. Okay. And if I had, I think, I think if you knew, like if you could go forward to when you're for me, sixties, 20 years away. And if I, if I went to 60 and I was able to look back and go, look how all that worked out. That was going to be fine. That was going to be okay. Look how like I was able to get everything off the ground. Oh, the kids turned out all right. Then I think that (laughs) I think my every day would feel a little more confident, like that I'm walking in the right direction. And I think sometimes we're not sure if we're walking in the right direction, but if you like, I think now where I sit now, if I'd gone back even 20 years and talked to that, that girl and said, it's going to work out, like it's all going to work out. I think I just wouldn't have any more hesitations about the steps that I took. And I tend to be a fast decision maker anyway. I'm not hesitant. I usually move forward really quickly. Um, my mother-in-law was laughing at me the other day because we bought a new car in November and I made the decision like at five o'clock and we bought one at seven o'clock. Like, I mean, wow. like, I'm, like I just, wow. once we make the decision, like, cause I can, you're looking at all the variables, right? So I am a quick decision maker, but even more, I wish I could say to that girl, it's just all going to work out. Just, just move forward. I love that, especially because I'm right in that spot where you hadn't even considered design. So I, I'm taking that advice for me, but I want our podcast listeners to know where can they find more of you? Cause you have your own podcast and this has been thrilling to hear from you. And I want them to be able to hear more from you. Where can they find you, your design site and your podcast? Where, where are you located? So if you are a podcaster, you like listening to podcasts, my um, podcast is called make and design with Karina Gardner. And we do focus a lot on design and creativity. We talk about strategies. We're talking about creativity. Um, So some of it, you might be like, "Uh, I don't know if this is for me, but I have actually a lot of girlfriends who are creatives and they're like, it's surprising how much relates to all creatives, writers, musicians. So come on by and come get a little bit of love. I know like in the month of January, I spent a lot of time with how to set goals correctly, uh, morning routines. I'm a big fan of good morning routines because um, as human beings, but uh, definitely as creatives, we have to set ourselves up with the right mindset at the front of the day. I'm not like a mindset coach or anything. I just like believe this because once I got my mindset right about doing good things and living a life of gratitude and service that it totally changed everything in my business. So make and design with Karina Gardner. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram, um, my Instagram feed, the main one you'll want to see is just at Karina Gardner. Um, I have a second one called at Karina Gardner paper crafts. That's all paper crafting. And you can come, um, find me there. Basically, if you put in Karina Gardner, you'll find all the Karina Gardner things. Cause no one else spells my name the way I spell it. <laughs> for me, for our listeners, she spells it C-A-R-I-N-A Gardner. 
Yeah. So you'll find her, type her in, make sure you go find her. And I have to say, I listened to your morning routine podcast. Fabulous. So everyone should go, go and jump in, go find her content. You will, whether you are a designer or not, I do think they can pull principles from what you say. So thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. I have learned so much. We are so appreciative of you joining us. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course course to your cart and you just click check out and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the money master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.